Because Micah just has to go there. This is MuggleCast episode 266 for June 23rd, 2013. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible.com. Audible is the leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash MuggleCast. Welcome to MuggleCast episode 266. Eric, Micah, and I are here this week, and look who's joining us. Laura Thompson! Welcome back, Laura. Who's that? Oh, it's you and your beautiful voice. Oh, I missed you guys. Yeah, we missed you too. You set the standard for female podcasting, I feel. I, well, I don't think I had very much competition on this show. Well, I, I mean, you blazed the trail. <laughs> I mean, at least when I was on the show, right? I know that there were some people who were on here after me who were awesome. But uh, yeah, for a while, it was just me and all of this testosterone. It was it was quite a challenge sometimes. Yes. Well, you've always been the voice of reason. That has never changed. <laughs> you poor, you poor misled souls. What are you thinking? <laughs> Uh, but speaking of nostalgia, you know, it's been 10 years since Order of the Phoenix hit bookstore shelves. Oh, my God. Yeah. On the summer solstice, which we just passed. So does everybody remember where they were for that book release? Micah, do you remember? I was in college and I had not read any of the books yet. <laughs> oh, that's right. When did you start? Just... Well, I I start I read them all in one summer, and uh, but I started really getting into them probably just before Half Blood Prince was released. Oh, wow. noob! How about you, Eric? Noob. <laughs> yeah, I'm a noob. <laughs> no, I'm a noob too because Order of the Phoenix was my first book release. I only got into them after the first two movies had already come out. Um, so Order of the Phoenix was my first book release, so it'll always be a little special. And it was the first event I went to on behalf of MogulNet, um, because there was an Oak, uh, Oak Park, Illinois event where they turned all the local shops into Diagon Alley. And um, basically Dylan and I uh, were there, and we did some wizard's chess and some costume contests. It was a lot of fun. Um, but I actually went out of state for it. And back home, my mom, I remember this, wrote the local paper, and she was like, my son's going to Illinois on behalf of his Harry Potter website. Why don't you do a story on it? And so <laughs> some guy came to my house, and and I had a story in the local paper. Oh, that's funny. That's awesome. The town nerd <laughs> heading to Chicago. It really was, and I looked terrible. <laughs> my hair, man, I'm telling you, I look so just, I have the weirdest smirk on my face. It's terrible. <laughs> um, how about how about you, Laura? Do you remember? Um... I don't remember how old I was. What I feel like I, I was like five. Oh, it was 2003. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so I I was like five. And um, what? No. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I'm just I, I'm a little embarrassed because I dressed up and I was like 15. 
Um, oh. But uh, yeah, I went to a, a book release party. So I went to a Barnes & Noble here in the metro Atlanta area. And I went with a couple of my friends and they also dressed up. Um, and we were probably the oldest kids there who were wearing costumes. Like everybody else was super cute. They were like, you know, three running around <laughs> waving right. their wands. So, you know, it's, it's just one of those embarrassing teenage moments, but it was, it was super fun. It was actually my first midnight release party. Um, I had been a big fan of the books before that point, but I just never gotten to go to one. So it was kind of, it was kind of like my first experience in the world of the fandom and interacting with other people who were as crazy about it as I was. <laughs> that was um it of course goblet of fire was the book that had come out previously and it had been three years so i think in between those two books like eric mentioned the two movies had come out so like in that time the fandom must have grown so much mm-hmm. uh because i remember also jk rowling was like you know what for this book i'm gonna take my time you guys rush me with goblet of fire so let me take my time on order of the phoenix um I was at a bookstore in my local town, and I remember some of the kids from my school were there. It was my second book release. I'd gone to the Goblet of Fire one. Um, so some of the kids from high school were there, too. <laughs> I was like, or not high school, middle school. And I was like, oh, gosh, did the cooler kids than me are here. That's kind of, kind of little. And then one, but then one of them was really into Harry Potter. I was like, oh, okay, cool. This is kind of neat. So... Harry Potter isn't as dorky as I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> oh. oh, darn. So, yeah, 10 years. If that doesn't make you feel old, I don't know what yeah. does. 10 years since Order of Phoenix. Wow. Oh, my God. Better get but, out the walker. <laughs> lest here we... But, 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 but here we are anyway, uh, and still talking about Harry Potter news, if you can believe it, including the hot thing in Harry Potter right now, so to speak. Pottermore. Laura, have you used Pottermore? Have we ever spoken to you about Pottermore? Um, I, no, we haven't spoken about Pottermore. I have used it. What house are you in? Uh, What house do you think I'm in? The same one as freaking everybody else. It pissed me off. I did not (laughs) want to be in Gryffindor. I was so, I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to say bad words on this show. It's okay. But yes, you can. Oh, <laughs> we we changed the policy. Oh, okay, good. Was that after Smart Mouths? Uh, we just grew oh, up. Okay, that's all. all right. Cool. We all grew up. <laughs> but um, yeah, I was really ticked off because my whole life I've considered myself a Ravenclaw, and then I took the stupid test and I got put in Gryffindor. And I think that it's <laughs> a little bit convenient that all the houses have like the same or at least proportionate numbers of people in them. I think it's right, I think it's exactly. crap. Exactly. That's that's my theory as well. It's 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 a little weighted. It's not your true house. But anyway, uh they did announce that they're going to be making some changes to the site. Uh and Pottermore CEO Charlie Redmain spoke to the site called the Bookseller and they they seem to be doing some big changes. Uh for example, you can now cast spells, take part in wizard duels and get sorted into your Hogwarts house before even registering for the site. Another big change is that you will no longer be able to go through the chapter, or you don't have to go through the chapters in sequential order. You can now just browse around wherever you want. Oh, cool. I would love that. That was one thing I really didn't like, was there were certain things I just wasn't interested in doing, and I didn't really care about going through. But isn't this sort of like, uh, the whole reason that this site existed was it was supposed to be a companion to the books, and now it's like, 
it's I don't know. It seems to be a real like 180. I don't know. I mean, if you're using it as you read the books, you can still go through and order. But if you're a really big fan who's already read them 12 times like we have, and you want to go to your yeah. favorite part, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I wonder if this will allow me to, who <laughs> really haven't been on it all that much since I first logged in. I'm terrible, terrible fan. Uh, to go and get all the exclusive content from JK Rowling in one click. Yes, that would be nice. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm I'm all over that um, because that's that's really what I wanted to use the site for as well. Um, I had a crisis of house sorting because I got sorted into Hufflepuff, but um, you know I got over that. And in in general, like all I'm on it for is the exclusive content. They also seem to be a trying uh, trying to appeal to people who don't know Harry Potter at all. Um, Charlie Redmayne seems to think that people who like discover Harry Potter through the Lego video game or one of the computer games, uh, they are going to come to Pottermore too. So they're going to have pages, simple pages like, who is Harry Potter? Oh my which, God. <laughs> are you serious? Which, yeah. Yeah. That's a quote. Like that's, a, that's a thing. <laughs> that, that is kind of, I was going to say something that's not appropriate to say. It's kind of stupid. <laughs> what do you think, Micah? Oh, I agree with Laura. I, I think that uh, how is anybody who has been alive for the last 20 years, 30 years, not know who Harry Potter is? I, I, I feel like that's a... Uh... But, well, I think they're looking at new generations of kids playing the Lego video games, maybe. Like, let's say you're 10 to 12 years old and you haven't played... Or you haven't read Harry Potter. You know yet. those Lego video games are hard. You really need to know who Harry Potter is in order to beat them. <laughs> you need to know all about these really? little charms and stuff that you got to do because it isn't. I I, ah. I cannot get through that. No, I don't know, man. I I just I feel the same. Like who is coming to Potter more? The 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 site <laughs> for more for 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 their first time. I don't. I'm glad that yeah. that that they thought of that. I guess maybe, but maybe it's somebody else's job to be like a. Who is Harry Potter? You can always Google it and, you know, get, Wikipedia will do the same thing better. Read the book. That, read I the mean, book. If you want to know who he is, read the book. Even if it's a younger generation, even if it's you know, the kids that are five, six, seven years old or, or, or have the parents read the book to the kids so that they learn who well, he is. I mean, I get the whole idea behind, you know, having these little biographies. I'm sure they're not just going to do it for him. They'll do it for other characters as well so that you get a better understanding of what the series is all about, but to Eric's point, this is Potter more. You know, you're coming here for more information, not to be introduced into the series, unless that's also what they're trying. Well, maybe to they'll change the name, and maybe we're being a little bit stodgy. Let's let's not forget <laughs> that they are uh, selling the books on the site. So to be, you know, they have to. Yeah, right, they, they could point. they could really do a whole new interface with that and have it end with a with a buy link. You know. Hmm. I yeah uh, they need I, as I've said before they need to do two things I'm over my pet idea <laughs> oh for no no more <laughs> never give up never give up live strong <laughs> but they need to as I've brought up on the show before drop a bombshell that websites are gonna, and media outlets are going to pick up just like the Dumbledore is gay thing and every damn article is going to be like J.K. Rowling revealed this on her new on her Pottermore website so that's free publicity right there and B. She needs to, we need to, like, I think we've discussed on this show before, you need to be able to get your Patronus now, because we're in Prisoner of Azkaban right now. That's, they're like, midway through Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh, really? Oh. 
Yeah. Wow, I'm, I haven't been paying attention. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. I mean, because nobody... And, and like, the new content from J.K. Rowling has gotten... I feel like it's gotten a little less exciting. I've always said that's the greatest part of the website, but it's just missing... It's not, it's not thrilling. It's sort of like rehashed material. It's not new, new anymore. It doesn't feel like to me. See, I would just say everybody's gay. <laughs> everybody's gay. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, or man. Or likes they, goats. There we the go. Laura, what, what was that Christian, what, that Bible thumper's name? Laura Mallory. Laura Mallory. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, her head would explode if she found out everybody was gay in the Harry Potter books. <laughs> <laughs> so, those are the, uh, so we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm glad they're making some big changes. Um, a little UI change would be nice too. Maybe they should refresh the design of it now. What was your big theory a couple of episodes ago, Andrew, about Aunt Marge? Aunt Marge. S- she should have said that Aunt Marge is a lesbian. That would have been a huge bombshell. Laura, you would have liked that one, right? Oh, of course. Yeah, that would have been cool. <laughs> that would have been cool. I would have been, I, I I thought... been Facebooking and tweeting yeah. all that right. stuff. Oh my go god! Viral. Everybody would know. Oh my god! <laughs> Laura would have been like, guys, guys, just what? Guess what? I just read on Pottermore. <laughs> I knew what it. Say, <laughs> I was going to say I thought that J.K. Rowling wrote like almost all of her content before Pottermore even launched. That's that's just what I remember. Reading, I guess, you know, because it was a, a long period of, oh, gosh, was it, was it, well, I guess it was three, three to five years where, you know, she was essentially writing content in the very, very background and before Pottermore was announced. And then when it came out, I just, the only thing she wrote couldn't have just been the Prisoner of Azkaban stuff. Cause that's like three, three paragraphs of, or the, the Sorcerer's Stone stuff. Cause that's like three different things. There's like, I, I don't know. I just thought she wrote it all. So. Why should it be dipping in quality years later, you know, in book three? Yeah, book three I, is my favorite book, so to see that there's nothing terribly new and exciting so far in it is really upsetting to me. You get anim- Animagi, you got Patronuses, you got Lupin, you get Sirius Black, right. for crying out loud. Like, it's, the, yeah. it's seriously like the strongest book for warm feels, and mm-hmm. I want to know more. Well, yeah. Take a look through it all um, when you get a chance. I know you said you're a yeah, little behind. Yeah. And, and tell me, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm just jaded, but I feel like the, the content has slipped a little bit in terms of the new stuff from J.K. Rowling. Didn't we say we're only going to talk positively about Pottermore? Well, I can't help it. They're doing this to me. I don't want to say these things. It's their fault. Well, you only have a couple episodes left. And then <laughs> you don't have to say anything about Pottermore ever again. I'm still going to talk about it on hype, so <laughs> I, I'm, just, I'm just getting started. We're going to continue with the news in just a moment, but first, today's episode is brought to you by Audible.com. Audible is the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of MuggleCast, as you know, Audible is offering you a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service that is perfect for summer. Today, we are going to recommend Dan Brown's latest novel. We mentioned New York Times bestseller, Inferno. In the heart of Italy, Harvard professor of symbology Robert Langdon is drawn into a harrowing world centered on one of history's most enduring and mysterious literary masterpieces, Dante's Inferno. 
You can get the book for free by going to audiblepodcast.com slash mugglecast and signing up for Audible. Or for that matter, you can get any great book on there. I'm recommending Inferno because Dan Brown books are great summer beach reads or wherever you're going to be out and about this summer. Again, audiblepodcast.com slash mugglecast. We thank Audible for their support of the show. Let's talk about some positive Harry Potter news. J.K. Rowling's annotated. She released this. Um, uh, th- there was this charity auction by Sotheby's called First Editions Second Thoughts. Cool name. And it, they asked authors to take first edition copies of their books and annotate them. And J.K. Rowling did this within a, a first edition Philosopher's Stone. Very rare. She signed it. She wrote over 100... Oh, sorry. 1,100 notes, words in this book. And she made 22 illustrations within the book. And uh, if you click through some of the links, guys, you can see... Uh, some pictures as well. And she revealed a couple of interesting things in the annotations. Again, things that should be in I was Pottermore. Say, this is Pottermore. <laughs> yes. It, right. For, for $227,000, this is Pottermore, book one. Yeah, here's an example of something she unveiled. Uh, that, that the Pottermore house animal was originally a bear <laughs> before it was a honey badger. Oh, and mean. she wrote... Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, and she wrote, perhaps Hufflepuff House would have the respect it deserves from the fans if I'd stayed with my original idea of a bear to represent it. <laughs> like, come on, this is something that would do well in Pottermore. Um, What's wrong with a badger? Well, it's a little... A badger, 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 badger. They're fierce. The, would, you, y- would you ever want to come across a badger just in general life? Well, you know what? I'm glad you bring that up. I went to a zoo a couple of weeks ago, and there was a honey bat or a badger exhibit, and those things have uh, some spunk. Like they were moving around a lot. They were like they were playing with their toys. Like you know how a lot of animals at the zoo they're just kind of sitting around sleeping. This thing was alive. I mean, it was kicking. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. this is kind of a cool choice. They Joe. don't give a shit. Yeah. If if you had to rank the four in terms of which ones you'd least want to come in contact with, what would they be? Snake would be the Snake. You're least afraid of a snake. No, no, no. Snake would be the least person I'd I'd want to come into contact. Least least animal. But, like, lions are cool. They're just going to maul you if you upset them. Um, (laughs) Ravens, you know, or or is it it a raven or is it a a different type of bird? It's it's called raven. I realize that. Yeah, I think it's a raven. (laughs) I realize that, but you still had to think about it, didn't you, for a second? Um... I mean, ravens are fine. Tap, tap, tapping at the the chamber door. I was um, I was waiting for somebody to make that connection. Yeah, anyway, go ahead. And what's the fourth one? What are we thinking? Oh yeah, badgers. The badger. Yeah. That's the that's the least scary, I would say. Yeah, badgers are cool. J.K. Rowling also revealed something about how she invented Quidditch. She said she in- invented it after a fight with her boyfriend. She said, "Quote: I had been pondering the things that hold a society together." Cause it, cause to congregate and signify its particular character and knew I needed a sport. Quidditch infuriates men in my experience, which is why the snitch is so valuable, etc. which is quite satisfying given my state of mind when I invented um, it. Um, what? <laughs> well, because, she, well, this, I have heard this complaint before about Quidditch. It's that like all you need to do is get the stitch and it's over. Everything else, every other aspect of the game is kind of pointless. 
So yeah, she was pissed off at her boyfriend who apparently loves sports and she decided that she's going to write up a sport game for her book that pisses off men. <laughs> Pretty funny. I mean, again, Potterwater. I've never been like aggravated it. over Quidditch until now. <laughs> now I'm aggravated over Quidditch. <laughs> that it was some kind of hate, hate, hate sport or something that, that Joe did it in a fit of rage against men. I think there was a couple other sentences. She was saying how uh, guys get so serious about sports or something like that. So anyway, that thing sold for two hundred twenty-seven thousand dollars. At a at that's amazing. At the first, yeah, charity, of course. So good for Joe for supporting another charity. Uh, we don't have to make a big deal out of this story. I just found it interesting. A new study finds that Katniss Everdeen has replaced Harry Potter as the millennials' mascot. <laughs> lame. They they can't do that. Super can they? lame. Can they do that, Laura? Can they do that? I don't. I don't know. I'm about to voice a very unpopular opinion. I don't think... You don't like... Okay, no, it's not that I don't like The Hunger Games. I think it's fine, but it is a bit like dystopia for dummies. Like, <laughs> like it's it's a book like geared towards 12-year-olds, and I see all of these like 40-year-old people taking it very seriously. Whoa. And it, it just... It's not... Like, seriously, go read 1984. Go read Brave New World. Like, Whatever. Well, Laura, Laura, well, no, you bring up a great point, but The Hunger Games is a kid's young adult book. It's not for, uh, it's not, I mean, adults do like it. No, My mom's and, a fan. No, and I enjoyed them. When I read them, I thought they were very well written. They're good books, but I think that they have been overplayed a bit. I think that people take them far too seriously. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I think, it, no, 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 you're right. You're right. A lot of people said this too, uh, on Twitter and Facebook. I mean, nobody, nobody says that Hunger Games is like the new Harry Potter. Um, but the, 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 the reason this information was uncovered in terms of Katniss being, uh, the new mascot of millennials is actually not just because of the popularity of the franchise, but because of things that Katniss reflects, uh, specifically real world issues like economic turmoil, global political strife, and natural disasters. So she's kind of relatable right now, whereas Harry Potter is not as much. Not to say that The Hunger Games has replaced Harry Potter, but uh, uh, this was a study conducted amongst 14 to 7-year-olds. MTV did this study, and of course you can say, oh, MTV, but this is like a serious arm of MTV, and they do the study to see what is going to be popular in the 18 to 24-year-old demographic so they they um monitor however they conduct these uh studies um with 14 to 17 year olds now to see what they're about to get into. oh that's cool i still call shenanigans okay no you bring up a good point about the hunger games like i haven't read 1984 yeah then then again um you know the people who are the the kids are millennials that's the people who were born after the after the year 2000, right? Like, so in the last 13 years, cause like, even though Harry Potter's our thing, we were born at the end of the eighties, uh, or early nineties for some of us. But, you know, so, so there is a 10 year gap there where, you know, these kids just didn't exist while this stuff was happening. Yeah. Well, not to get into semantics, but doesn't millennials just mean like the new generation? Y- yeah. Like so generation. when does that well, start? Yeah. Generations every twenty years, because certainly, like, it's right at this category between fourteen to seventeen and eighteen to twenty-four. Because fourteen years ago it was ninety-nine, 
Um, so it's like, even if they were born, their first book release could have been like the last one when they were six. Actually, yeah, it says, I'm looking at Wikipedia, so, oh. you know, whatever. Um, but it's it says, be true. it's a, <laughs> right. It actually says that commentators use beginning birth dates from the early 1980s to the early 2000s for millennials. For millennials? Mm-hmm. Wow. So we are all millennials. And oh, I, <laughs> and I do not support this Katniss Everdeen BS. <laughs> well, Laura, you're smart. That's I don't the either. difference. Micah, you're smart. Thanks. <laughs> this is the first compliment I've ever gotten on this show in eight years. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thanks, Laura. No, uh, I agree. I mean, I just, I- I'm not a big fan of the Hunger Games either. I've read all the books. Uh, like Laura said, I thought they were well written, but I haven't seen any of the movies. And, and I feel like, you know, with, with MTV doing this study, is it, is it more that it's relatable? from the movie standpoint or the book standpoint because i feel like mtv is more you know hollywood focused than it is literary focused i think they're blurring the lines i don't think they want you to think of these things as only books or only movies or think of them separate mtv and and hollywood in general is all about mass market like everything the whole series it's a franchise it's it's going to be on tv it's going to be in the bookstores it's going to be in on the magazines it's going to be in the theaters you know that that's what they're looking for so i think you know, basically Hunger Games is, is coming in and, and Harry Potter's going out because short of, you know, theme park expansions, there's nothing else happening. And so they want to see that there's this new hero rising up, um, because essentially that's going to allow them to gear their marketing and, and basically focus everybody's attention on the new thing. Well, if the Hunger Games isn't your cup of tea, then maybe a new series that's going to star Emma Watson will be. So listen to this. Uh, I'm going to give you information, and then I'm going to share a theory. And I think I'm spot on with this. So 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 listen closely, okay? So I'm listening. Harper, Co- thank you. Finally, so Harper Collins purchased a book trilogy called Queen of the Tearling by an author who's never been published before. Uh, they purchased the rights to this book series for over a million dollars, which is unheard of for an author, for an unknown author. Uh, it's described as a female Game of Thrones, which has caused controversy in and of itself. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> you're gonna get, you're gonna get hate for that. Um, and so this book, the, the first book comes out next year. It's a trilogy. Recently, Warner Brothers, decided to purchase the movie rights to this series. Keep in mind, the first book hasn't even been published yet. David Heyman is going to be producing, and Emma Watson is going to be starring. (laughs) It's the main character. In a movie for a book that's not even out yet. So what's your your theory? Well, here's my theory. Um, uh, Let me read a brief description of it first. The story is set three centuries after a small portion of the human race has populated a landmass that mysteriously emerged in the wake of an environmental catastrophe. The series follows 19-year-old Princess Kelsey Glynn, who must reclaim her deceased mother's throne and redeem her kingdom, the Tearling, from forces of corruption and dark magic of the Red Queen, the sorceress tyrant of the neighboring country, Mortimense, Mort, Mort, whatever. Um, so presumably... 
Emma Watson is going to play the 19-year-old princess, Kelsey Glynn. So here's my theory. There's three Harry Potter connections to this movie adaptation. Harper Collins spent over a million dollars for the rights to this. Warner Brothers probably spent an equal amount of money, at least. My theory uh, is this is J.K. Rowling's new series, and she's operating under a pen name. <laughs> I mean, yeah, how can I was, Warner I was Brothers the same thing? How can Warner Brothers feel so into this? David Heyman into this, and Emma Watson wanting to put her yeah, name on it already. It I mean, seems it seems pretty huge considering the first book hasn't even come out yet. That that does seem yeah. like a, a huge vote of confidence for absolutely no reason. Um, but I will <laughs> say, if if it were in fact the next J.K. Rowling project, I think she can do a little bit better than the Red Queen as a, <laughs> as a villain. Really, Red Queen? Really? Yeah, it's been used. <sighs> been used but i'm excited for this maybe this could be the next because there's always got to be something next right we've had harry potter hunger games twilight divergent seems to be potentially the next big new thing Um, don't forget harper collins also put together that uh page to screen book oh okay so there's another little harry potter connection i mean you know I, i i'm kind of kidding with my theory but J.K. Rowling's also been quiet lately. Like, what the heck has she been up to? You're telling me she's only working on that children's book right now? Give me a break. Yeah, and I mean, wasn't there something about a political fairy tale in there? This kind of sounds like it fits that bill. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's true. So wait, who described it as a female Game of Thrones? I see that in the news post. The publisher. Uh, The publisher. So, and apparently... This this author got the idea when watching Barack Obama make a speech about the environment or something like that. So some people are calling foul about this whole series already. They're like, "Oh, Harper Collins is so desperate. They're 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 connecting it to Obama and female Game of Thrones already." Are you so kidding me? Mi- Micah and I should shed some. We should take a moment here. Forgive us to, to shed some light on this. Micah, we do a, we do a Game of Thrones podcast called Game of Owns. Micah, what do you think the female Game of Thrones? Just just calling it that, female Game of Thrones. What does that mean? For, for books. Well, I don't think that I can say what I'm thinking on this podcast. <laughs> I mean, are you thinking like but male frontal nudity, male frontal nudity, um, male sex slaves, and girl dragons? No, it was actually quite the opposite of that, but... <laughs> well, well, no, that's what Game of... The opposite of that is what Game of Thrones is, so what are you, what are you thinking here? Well... Aren't there fem- aren't there male rulers in Game of Thrones? I guess, and now this appears to be female rulers. Yeah. Excuse my ignorance no. towards no, the Game of Thrones. Uh, you're forgiven. No, that's that's true. Okay, I I get it. M- Micah can't see past like the dirty side <laughs> of a female Game of Thrones. <laughs> anyway, I'm excited for this for this uh, for this. Did you say series. they're all I mean, being gosh. published this year? Or like no, the first book is being published next year. Okay. So it, the the move. Well, I mean, if Emma Watson's already attached, they must have an idea of when they're gonna film. So maybe they could start shooting as soon as next year. Yeah, this is unbelievable. Twenty fifteen. This is just like you know yeah. one of those stories that just all of a sudden there's like so much going on with something that you've never heard of before. Yeah, I want to get my hands on one of those like advanced readers copies it, since there's got to be some out there. It's it's just weird that um, that they do refer to it as the female version of Game of Thrones because I, there are very strong female characters in that series and they are power players and they have been throughout you know up to the five books now that have been released so 
Yeah. <laughs> to get a little bit more insight as to what they mean by that. I think it may have been like a cheap publicity grab to get people's attention, maybe. Because Game of Thrones is so mainstream right now. All right. Well, and that's, again, why I feel like there's a, there's like an, this is like being penned by J.K. Rowling. Because, like, they, they feel so desperate to make sure it actually gets noticed that they use female Game of Thrones. I don't know. You know what, though? They wouldn't need to use these things like Barack Obama, female Game of Thrones, if it were J.K. Rowling, you know, doing it. They could just say, J.K. Rowling, new trilogy. See ya. You know? No, but that's the thing. Like, what if she wants to operate, uh, write a new series under a name that isn't, yeah, it's, you know what it's, I mean? Yeah, it's she a good theory. She wants to be out of the public spotlight. Yeah, but, I mean, would she really stay in fantasy and not do Harry Potter? Like, that would upset me, is if she kept doing fantasy books that weren't Harry Potter. It's like, just set them in the world of Harry mm. Potter. Make a new kingdom. Make a castle. Do whatever. Make a continent appear in the middle of the ocean. I don't care what you have to do. Just keep it Harry Potter. <laughs> Within the realm of, of fantasy. I'm sorry if that's a rant there. No, no. Laura, you, I, the political fairy tale thing, I had forgotten about that. That was a good point as well. So anyway, moving on in the news here, uh, we know that there are new Harry Potter paperbacks coming out with brand new covers. Uh, the second one, Chamber of Secrets, we got to see the cover. At, uh, it was unveiled at Book Expo America. It features Harry and Ron flying in the Ford Anglia, Angela, Anglia, whatever. Uh, and arriving at the borough. It's uh, a nice cover. I think I prefer Sorcerer's Stone cover better. Yeah, this one's a bit cartoonish looking, isn't it? Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's really nice, but I've personally never understood why we have to redesign the covers. Um, their, really, though? Their reasoning is to apply to a new generation of readers. Yeah. Because this is okay. this is more in, more in tune with I guess what what readers are typically seeing when you go into the bookstore with new books today. Like I just picked up just the other day um, on the the twentieth. I was in the, is in a bookstore, and it was the same bookstore that I got um, Order of the Phoenix from actually. But I I picked up uh, Amulet, which is the series that this guy uh, Kazu Kibuishi um, writes and illustrates. And, you know, again, just, well, just like any manga, but, um, you know, certain elements of the, the cover, you know, it's cartoonish and this, that, the other thing. So I, I think it is just kind of trying to break free into the new era, um, with, with these books. The cover itself, the design is okay. I re- I actually really like the cover, except for the fact that twice now in a row, he's picked this scene of Harry, going into the wider world. The first one's in Diagon Alley. The next one's like at the burrow and it's like Harry's among family. But I don't really see that as a, the exact depiction of chamber of secrets for all the stuff that happens in chamber of secrets. So that's my problem with it. But I, I think in general, once they reveal, you know, cause all seven of these are coming out at once, like this August, right? So two months. So they really need to speed up the process of, of removing these, but or revealing these, but I, you know, I, I think in general, it's it's really not that bad. If you look at like the classic Harry Potter books, I, I'm gonna probably get in trouble for saying this, but I, I think they are dated, old, little obscure for me. Not the later ones. Goblet is my favorite, I think, cover wise, but I just. The, the first three where it's like a big phoenix, he's on the tail, and it's like, ah, he's Quidditch, uh, I think it could use <laughs> with a revamp. I'm about ready for a revamp. 
it's interesting you bring up why he chose this moment. Um, Hypable spoke to the, the illustrator at Book Expo America, and he revealed some interesting stuff. He said that Chamber of Secrets was actually the most challenging cover, because for each one of these covers, he would think of, okay, what is the moment in the book that reflects the entire story? And uh, he had a... He could pick out a particular moment for each of the books, except for Chamber of Secrets. Um, he w- he said, Chamber of Secrets it's h- is hard. It does so much. It's like a swift army, Swiss army knife book because it sets up the mythology and it continues to entertain. And after the second book, I don't think you can expect what comes next. It was an extension of the first book. That's how I felt, end quote. Um so he said Prisoner know. of Azkaban's cover was the easiest to design. That one was instant for him. And by the way, Chamber of Secrets, that's the first one he actually illustrated. Um, and it kind of like paved the way for the rest of the covers. Go ahead, Micah. No, I, I would almost say that doesn't the story in book two tie more to book six and parts of seven than anything else. So I don't really know why he was saying it was an extension of one. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. He's got his own thoughts. Not not to uh, pick apart his own analysis of his own illustration. But, <laughs> <laughs> but what else are we going to do to cover 60 what, minutes What else do show? we do here? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he also said that um, – And these are – sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, you, you said the rest of these are going to be released over the summer? Well, all the books, like my, Eric pointed out, come out like August 28th or something, and they're rolling out each cover one by one, and as Eric pointed out, we're only two months away, and they have like six more covers, to, or five more covers to reveal, so hopefully they'll come out quick. And there's no new content, right? It, this is just no. completely new covers. Right. I know we talked about it a little bit, because I have the, the 10th anniversary edition of Sorcerer's Stone, which has some new illustration from Mary Grand Prix, and also... um. I forget if there's any new content in there. I think there might be just a small piece that's written by J.K. Rowling, but uh, I guess they did away with that idea as well, right? They just stopped at Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah. As far as 10-year anniversary. Yeah, yeah, because there's gonna they be need a- to release them. Sta- they need to stagger them as opposed to doing them all at once. There's also going to be new art on the box set, so mm-hmm. there's seven more pe- or six more pieces of art we get to look for. This to. is the most interesting paragraph of this news story, though, about Prisoner of Azkaban's cover. Can I just read it from, from Hypable? It says, Though Chamber of Secrets was the most difficult cover, Prisoner of Azkaban was the easiest. Quote, That one was instant. I knew exactly what I had to do, and I showed it to Scholastic, and I did a sketch. I knew exactly what I had to draw for that one, and I did it in five minutes. When I did all the other ones, it took me some time, hours, just to come up with a good composition. The Prisoner of Azkaban one stood out so much that it ended up leading the overall design for the remaining six covers. Quote, I had just done the Prisoner of Azkaban one, it was nothing like the rest, and then I got the notes back from Scholastic, and they said, we love that one. That's the one. Can you make the rest like that? And I was like, yes, I can. So everything that you see now is derived from what happened on the third cover, Scholastic loved three and four. So maybe he's just maybe ah. he's just warming up with these book covers. I'm telling you, three and four seem pretty <laughs> exciting, if they're Scholastic's favorite. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sorry, earlier I said that Chamber of Secrets drew... Drew, uh, drove all the other covers, but yeah, no, but yeah, uh, I mean, I, I, I like it, okay. So he had a he just had like an issue with the book, like being create like create like a he was stumped on chamber. That's fine, I guess. There's there, there was a weak link, so maybe this is. I still like it. <laughs> I still like it. I just think for the whole book, maybe a different see. I, whatever. 
J.K. Rowling approves of the new covers, by the way, from what he heard. He hasn't spoken to her, but from what he heard, she was really appreciative that there's new cover art. Um, and uh, he said, of we course, know that what he that's was, like. <laughs> he was uh, nervous when J.K. Rowling was taking a look at all the art, understandably so. He also said that Deathly Hallows' cover, his Deathly Hallows cover, pays tribute to Mary Grand Prix. Mm. So... And I think he alluded that just the it's the cover uh, the color scheme. So I think that one's gonna have the same colors. Uh, that may be it. Um, it was an interesting cover selection. I remember talking about that on the days of Mugglecast when we yeah. discussed the book. We the thought that time. the that it was like in the Coliseum by the Vale, and that the roof of the, <laughs> yeah. the roof of the Ministry had been blown off. You guys remember this? Yeah. Because there yeah. were columns, and what does it end up being? It's Hogwarts, isn't it? It's, no, seriously, it's, yeah. he looked like he was in freaking Rome or something. I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> Harry yep. and Voldemort are going to Rome. Well, there's columns in all of her work. Like, there's columns in the first Harry Potter book. That's that's why it's just like, for me, it's time for a kick out, you know, for... Well, actually, if you guys remember, too, I think it was, the, what was it, the British deluxe version that had the dragon on yeah. it? And three of us on this show, Andrew, you weren't there. I think it was Eric, Laura, and I did an entire episode, <laughs> probably for about 90 minutes, on the Antipode and Opelai. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. That's. <laughs> I was so pleased because that? it's an Australian dragon, and I was living down it there. It was such deep analysis, too. It was it was completely and utterly off base. But no, man, it was fine. Was you know, episode. we were looking at the dragon. It looked blind. Or no, it looked like it had a, an opal eye. And it turned out that it was just blind from sitting in the dark of underneath Gringotts <laughs> the whole time. Oops. Yeah, sorry. Jeez. I think that was the uh, deluxe US edition, by the way. But yeah, that was a cool cover. Yeah. yeah, we looked yeah. in Fantastic Beasts. I just Beasts. want to be accurate. We, we read the bio from Fantastic Beasts. I'm still bitter over this. Um, but it was it was some smart work, sleuthing on our part, I think. Let's move on to some other news now. This news Opelot. cracks me up. <laughs> okay, go on. So we all we all know that there's going to be an expansion, expansion in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. It's going to be at this Diagon Alley land. It's going to be at Universal Studios Hollywood. And the Hogwarts Express is connecting the two lands. So, apparently, there's going to be a ride, a Gringotts thrill ride. And, um... Is that where, like, goblins jump on your roller coaster and <laughs> yeah, try sure. and tear off your face? <laughs> sure. Warwick Davis is working full-time there. And what, Micah? What? We, we've heard that uh, Rupert These are Grant, just the rumors I've heard. We've heard that... Rupert Grit and Helena Bonham Carter have filmed scenes for this ride, but not Dan Radcliffe. Don't expect him to be involved. So he was interviewed recently uh, <laughs> about about avoiding the Harry Potter stereotype of the stigma, whatever you want to call it, that typecast. And he's he about how he's done so much work to establish himself outside of the series. Of course, that's true. He did Equus. How to succeed in business without really trying. He's done some movies since then. <laughs> so he says, the theme parks are expanding and there was an inquiry whether I'd do more filming for them. And I was like, no, I can't get away with that anymore. I just look foolish. I'd never totally closed the door to returning to Potter for the reason that Joe's a great writer, but no more schoolboy stuff. 
He added, I'm 23, which is too old to be running around in a schoolboy's cape. Well, I guess he has never been to a Harry Potter convention. <laughs> right. Oh, burn. You know, Frickin today's, burn, the, today's the day I pack for LeakyCon, and because Dan Radcliffe has said this, I'm not going to be able to take my robes. Damn. <laughs> I have to admit, there comes a time where you have to admit to yourself, okay, I'm over 23, what would Dan Rad do? Dan Rad would not wear a cape. So you're serious? You're not bringing your cloak? <laughs> I'm going to take the cloak. Oh. <laughs> even though even though I'm a uh, Pottermore Hufflepuff, my robes are Gryffindor. I'm still taking those robes. But didn't didn't he actually just record content for the new Trivial Pursuit game like eight months ago? <laughs> I, I think he did. Yeah, I'm being well, that, serious right now. That's more right sophisticated, now. though, Laura. That's more sophisticated than getting dressed up as a, uh, right. a wizard. Yeah, yeah, that's Trivial Pursuit, Laura. That's your, that's your ne- next stop is host of Jeopardy, you know, after that. <laughs> I mean, um, He's going to okay. replace Alex Trebek. Yeah. But I no, understand so was it video where he's coming for, from, though. For Trivial Pursuit, Laura, do you know? I it was voiceover material. Well, still, still um, a big deal. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I kind of understand where he's coming from. There does need to be a line drawn somewhere because otherwise he's going to be like forty, and they're going to be like, "Hey, come mm-hmm. film this material. We'll do Harry <laughs> Harry Potter in the nursing home," you know. <laughs> but I'm not sure that it needed to be drawn where it was drawn. I mean, I feel like he's still young enough that he could get away with filming 10 minutes of material for the theme park. Um, but he's probably thinking if I don't draw the line somewhere, I'll be doing this for the next 20 years. So I, I kind of get where he's coming from. Yeah. And also my perspective is Laura, you may see these commercials being so close to Florida. I mean, I see them here in LA there's these commercials for Universal that run with Dan Radcliffe as Harry Potter. And I feel like he's seeing those or his people tells him that these are still running. And there's that typecast still happening on TV on a daily basis. Right, so it's persisting just, his image as being Harry. Right. Like it's still, it's still happening. He's still being typecast in this role because of these commercials. So maybe he's thinking, if I were to do new stuff for Universal, then a whole new advertising campaign with my face on it is going to be appearing. Now, I wonder if they are going to use his face because surely there's going to be an advertising campaign for this new expansion. I wonder if he's going to appear on it like a new image or are they going to well, use the old that, image that they've used yeah, it's probably going to be that same clip of him flying up on a broomstick and saying come on right you know because that's but that doesn't make sense because i don't know it's going to be use warwick davis as you pointed out earlier he's going to be the new face <laughs> <laughs> no it's just going to be helena bonham carter and rupert grant yeah. those are the only people and who what are they do that in that ride. commercial is up to your imagination yeah. <laughs> no i think uh, that dan the good thing about dan is and and maybe it's just he's he's really smart about quotes he doesn't seem bitter like at all in this quote every actor kind of has a bitter phase i feel um regarding a role that is so beloved you know and they want to go off and do different things that's not really what dan is saying dan is saying he feels like he's too old you know as an afterthought but in general he's just tried to do so much more so i i, I do think that uh he is moving on and and you know this this harry potter thing is I mean, he did say he'd never say no again so really it's just like no but no to this you know, so I, I don't think he's bitter is what I'm trying to say is I, I think he's just really kind of being smart about it. You guys are right with the marketing that's probably going to happen around this expansion once it comes I, out. I don't even see why he needs to say anything. You know, it just <laughs> who's asked the just question. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Like, just what's shut the up, deal? Dan. Stop talking. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, you t- talk about typecasting. I mean, he's eight films too late for typecasting. So <laughs> that's just how I see it. But he, yeah, he does. He has do whatever you want. Like I, I would just think though that the theme park would be something that you would want to continue to be a part of because it does. At some point, you are going to get to that age where you are not going to be able to do these types of things anymore. And I get the idea of wanting to move on and say. You know, enough is enough, but it, it it would just be weird for them to do anything promotional around this theme park without him being a part of it. And this totally burns Rupert Grint, by the way. Oh, I, mean, I that know. Guy sh- yeah. Grow up, <laughs> Rupert. <laughs> yeah. You dork. Let's go. You know. God, what we, a tool. I'm, I'm looking yeah. forward to it being some scenes with ron for once giving him a more yeah. active role seeing as how dan will not be doing something i well i bet i bet dan will still show up in it they're going to use scenes from the movie in the ride i bet that's how they're going to so? work around it yeah because they could easily do that i don't think that would be a a problem no considering grow up helena yeah, grow up helena <laughs> we still don't know if emma watson's involved so grow up emma well, she, she, apparently she is. She's doing a female version of Game of Thrones. Yeah, she's all grown up. <laughs> I'm not even going to... Let's move on. <laughs> and little side note, it looks like that uh, the expansion is probably going to open next summer, which is no surprise. Oh, let's go. So that's all the news. Vacation? You guys want to go? Yeah, of course I want to go. I don't want to go right when it's opening, unless I'm going as press, because the lines are going to be awful. Yeah. They need nah, to, we'll um, just we'll go hang out and get bombed in three broomsticks. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, that land will be empty because <laughs> everybody will be over it at the expansion. I'm just exactly. waiting for them. To, I'm waiting for them to just tear down the wall and offer one park pass. Come on, guys. Yeah, we'll we'll go drink as Laura said in the three broomsticks with uh, Rupert and Helena, who have sold their souls <laughs> apparently to Universal. Yeah, they're actually appearing daily in the park now. <laughs> Along with Warwick Davis. (laughs) (laughs) It's now time to play Make the Music Connection while we wrap up the show. I thought we could make a throwback to some old segments. I think that was the plan anyway when we decided we're going to end this show. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be so bad at this. I haven't played this in forever. Well, you can make your answers as basic as possible. It's okay. All right. So I figure we could pick some top 40 tunes. Because, uh, you know, we want to be down with the kids, even though we may, we're barely, we're scraping the edge. We're too of the old millennium. to wear wizard robes anymore. <laughs> Man, what would Dan think of this podcast? Ugh. I shudder at the thought. <laughs> so, um, who wants to go first? I'll go uh, first. Yeah, Laura. Okay, that's the spirit. Yeah. Woo! Also, because you have to leave soon. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, have you heard the song I Love It by Icona Pop? Uh, it's, I don't know. It's it's been. Do you listen to Top Forty Radio? No. Oh, <laughs> then you're gonna. T- <laughs> I'm what gonna... do you listen to these days, Laura? You, know, I listen to a lot of Spanish music and oh, jeez, and no, but I like you know a lot of like folk punk music, like Frank Turner, who is amazing. If you guys don't know who he what? is. You should go that look him up. Doesn't sound Spanish. I know, but I I switched. I said I listen to a lot of Spanish music and a lot of folk punk music. Oh, right? oh, okay. So, um, you know, and then a lot of my musical taste stayed the same from 
you know, the yeah. last time we, we talked, which was on MuggleCast. So basically, day, right? 30. Uh, their new stuff is really bad. Oh, really? Oh. <laughs> it's really, really bad. I'm sorry. They've been around a long time. Yeah, they, they need to stop. Oh. But yeah, um, you know, whatever, uh, whatever well, you want to pick, okay. throw it at me. Just throw it at me, <laughs> Okay. Andrew. Here's, uh, Sel- well, this is appropriate for you. Here's Selena Gomez's oh, most recent <laughs> single. Oh, great. <laughs> There's that. That's good. Care- Careful, I wouldn't play music by well any done. millennial who is now uh, supporting Katniss Everdeen. I'll be careful about it. <laughs> here, here is, uh, Come and Get It. Give this one a shot. <laughs> what did you say? I, I, didn't said, you. I said this is like Enya on crack. What is this? Oh, <laughs> I thought that was going to be your answer. Yeah, no. So uh, when you're ready, come and get it. Yeah, I mean, you ain't got to worry. It's an open invitation. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, what I think of is that you know final moment between Harry and Voldemort, where they're circling around the Great Hall, and Harry's just like, "Hey, <laughs> just you know, feel a little b- bit of remorse, man. Just you know, accept that you've been wrong." And Voldemort's like, "No," and then Harry kills him. Okay, interesting. (laughs) Well done. Very well done. (laughs) Good job. You said you're rusty at this. Oh, I am. You have no idea. I can't even (laughs) understand. Basically, how old is she? She's like 12. Anybody under 20, I actually can't understand them. So when they talk to me, it's like all I hear is that, basically. Laura, I have the same exact problem. Don't worry. It's (laughs) it's not you. It's It's them. It's the millennials. Our, our next choice is for Eric, and this is in honor of our mutual friend, Adam Bromberg. It's the new Taylor <laughs> Swift single, 22. <laughs> I actually, I gotta admit, I really like this uh, song. Yeah, I do too. It feels like a perfect night to dress up like hipsters and make fun of our exes. Uh-uh, uh-uh. It feels like a perfect night for breakfast at midnight to fall in love with strangers.
So make the connection. It's tough because you know you leave Hogwarts when you're 17, so the the 22 vert part of it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. But um, I think of it as like a girls' night. Uh, things that like Hermione and Ginny are always seen as being as hanging out in the books, and they're close, but we never mm. see it. There's never a scene where uh, Hermione and Ginny are hanging out unless it's like time to save the world. And they have what to kind of scene are you ways. looking for? Uh, you know, I'm looking for like a you know pajama, padded feet kind of. Uh, common room fire talk about their exes kind of thing so so yeah I, i'm all i'm all over it uh if we can what if we can change to 22 to, to like 16 and have them just hang around the common room or the girls dormitory or something you know just a girls night at hogsmeade maybe like a girls weekend in hogsmeade something like that um you know, maybe maybe they're they do that when they're 22 after leaving a home. visit to the shrieking shack uh, something like that micah you uh, are so dirty <laughs> he was hoping for a, ga- a female Game of Thrones scene in, in Eric's description. All right, and finally, Micah, and then we'll uh, say goodbye to Laura. Here is the started. Here is started from the bottom by Drake. <laughs> this is the edited version. Don't worry. There's no inappropriate words. Start it. <laughs> it sounds very inappropriate. Started from the bottom. Now we're here. Started from the bottom, now my whole team here. Started from the bottom, now we here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here. Started from the bottom, now we here. Uh. Started from the bottom, now my whole team in. Started from the bottom, now we here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here. I didn't keep it real from the jump. Living at my mama's house, we'd argue every month. I was, I was trying to get it on my own. Working all night, traffic on the way home, and my uncle calling me like, "Where you at?" I gave you the keys, so you bring it right. Back. All right, so uh, you know Drake, popular artist, Amanda Bynes is really into him. <laughs> started from the bottom. He started from the bottom for his team, right? Mm. <laughs> Wait, whose team? What? I, didn't he? What? I can't it's a lyrics. I didn't understand what he was saying. I thought that's what he said. Oh, uh, maybe his Quidditch team, of course, Laura. Is what he's referring <laughs> yeah. to. I could see that as like entrance music for the Gryffindor Quidditch team. Oh my god, that's like that, <laughs> it's like hazing music for their Quidditch team. Start at the bottom. Yeah. yeah. Oh god. Uh, Sorry. Well, Laura, it's been a it's been a pleasure having you on. Maybe we'll get you on the final episode as yeah, well. Yeah, this is, uh, this we is the part where go. Andrew's like, "Okay, get off the show. You're being too inappropriate." <laughs> But yeah, thanks no, for having me. Leave, yeah, right? yeah, I have to go. But thank you for having me. It was so fun talking to you guys. Yeah, it was. It was great. You added some great insight as usual. You were the voice of reason. So thank you for coming on. All right. Bye, guys. Love you. All right. Bye. All right. Oh, bye. oh, please, please upload your audio file before yep. you go. Can you do mm-hmm. that? Okay, great. Thank you. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. All right. Boy, she's really lost her touch, hasn't she? <laughs> it's sad. I was I'm in tears. kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, that was good. It was nice to have her on. Oh wait, you didn't do you didn't do a music connection. Okay, what song do you want me to do? Blurred Name lines, one and I'll play it. Blurred lines. Yeah, I have it on my phone if you need it. Uh, no, it's okay. I got it. Okay, blurred lines by Robin Thicke. Hey, everybody, get up. Oh, 
Podcast rocking out here. Okay, so this song, everybody's talking about this song right now. I don't know why. Uh, it's it's catchy, I guess. Okay, so this is rage. Rita. This is Rita Skeeter's love song to Harry. If 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 you can't hear what I'm trying to say, if you can't read from the same page, maybe I'm going deaf. Maybe I'm going blind. Maybe I'm out of my mind. Uh, she wants Rita, or Rita wants Harry to pay attention to the lies that she's spreading. Yeah, you know you want. In fact, it. she wants all. Yeah, she wants all the Wizarding World to pay attention to what that quick quotes quill is writing down on that parchment. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, nice work. <laughs> I can't even find something dirty to say about that. So, oh, you, thank God, you did a good job. Thank goodness. Uh, nothing about Rita Scooter, huh? Let's move on now to our <laughs> favorite segment: best in honor of the Order of the Phoenix ten year anniversary. I thought. We should do something Order of the Phoenix theme. So, how about best character in Order of the Phoenix? Like, your favorite character while you were reading it. Who was your favorite? I can give you an answer right now for me. My favorite was Professor Umbridge. I, that, in fact, she was one of my favorite characters in the Harry Potter series. Controversial. <laughs> she, but she was just so wicked, wickedly evil. It was beautiful. Um, I just loved her. Like, you know, it's it's kind of like a love to hate sort of thing. It was just so fun to hate on her, and to see her finally get screwed over by then by the end of the book. It was great. Yeah, I mean, I want to say Sirius Black um, because I I miss the poor fellow. Um, but uh, I'm actually going to stray from that and just say that uh, Ferenz was a cool character to see again. Um, in that book, remember he, he taught, uh, was it divination? Um, in, in lieu of, uh, Professor Trelawney's leaving for a couple months. Um, so yeah, friends, gets my own. <laughs> Your own. <laughs> so, uh, I would have to go with Hagrid. I think that you, you get a lot of insight into his character in this book, um, when he comes back, um, with, from, going on his little adventure with uh, Madame Maxime and sort of parlaying with the giants. He brings Grop back. And um, just it was it was interesting getting more backstory on him, his family, and, and learning about his travels and, and what he encountered on the way. And I, I, it, was, it was a big moment also for, uh, for Harry, Ron, and Hermione when he returned because he had been such a pillar, really, of, of their lives the first couple of years that they were at Hogwarts and him not being there for a while, I think added to the sort of negative feeling that was there for most of the first half, three quarters of, of order of the Phoenix. And once he returns, I felt like things started to take shape again. Yeah. Good point. And our final segment for today, as usual, we like to ask you what, 
you thought about something in particular via Twitter and Facebook and get your responses. We have some of them now. Uh, we asked about Dan Radcliffe's decision to um, not appear in the Wizarding <laughs> World expansion. Zemmer wrote, It's a bit selfish, but makes sense in Wizarding World of Harry Potter. <laughs> Harry is supposed to be in Hogwarts, and he can't be in two places at the same time. <sighs> it's interesting. That's sort of like the whole Mickey Mouse thing at Disney World. You never see Mickey twice, even though there's like six of them all over the park. That's <laughs> genius. Um... <laughs> DH fan said he's probably embarrassed of being Harry now that he is establishing himself as an artsy fartsy type. Too old is a lame excuse. Leah wrote, how's a couple scenes going to hurt him? I think he's being a bit of a diva. Typecasting will be happening for him either way. Mariah wrote, I think that it's a bit selfish. It's one tiny film for the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, not and another not another entire movie. All all valid points. Those were people who responded on our Twitter, twitter.com slash MuggleCast. Um, over on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash MuggleCast, Megan wrote, Dan is overreacting. In case he hasn't noticed, his face is all over the theme park. Shooting a f- few more scenes won't change that. Other actors embrace the franchises that made them big name <sighs> actors. He should be doing the same, then moving on to do some other things. Can I just say stop, people? Stop saying that he's selfish, that he's, that he's bitter. Yeah, really though, he's not selfish, okay? It's, uh, there's this, um, there's this prevailing mode of thought that because we like something, that it's our franchise, Harry Potter, that, that he somehow owes us to continue appearing as Harry in these new endeavors and adventures. I, I, I just don't think that's, that's the case but i also don't think as i said before i don't think he's bitter about it i don't think he's you know trying to shit all over harry potter i just think he's he is moving on now i thought it was a valid question what will the little scenes do he's already plastered all over the theme park but maybe that's why he's doing it here's uh some comments that take your stance on it Andrew wrote, I don't think he's overreacting. He gave a lot of his life to the role of Harry Potter, but if he ever wants to get away, get any other big roles, he needs to be seen as flexible, and shooting scenes as Harry, again, could ruin that for him. It's true Harry started his career, but that's a start, and he does need to be able to move on. Maggie writes, no, he's not overreacting. They are older than the characters now, and he is working on new things. If you'd been doing the same thing for 90% of your life, you'd want to change too. So, there you go. Not everybody's... uh on team hate band <laughs> but i sure am well maybe maybe it was just uh his thoughts were when the theme park originally opened that this was going to be a one-time thing that it wasn't going to be something where the park was going to expand and then a couple of years later they're going to be asking him to do this again true and it was it was definitely important for his face to be on the theme park when it originally opened it would have been weird if if that wasn't the case. He was even there for that for that grand opening. Uh, so I think an even better question to ask is when this thing expands, or when it opens in L.A. or when it opens in Japan, will he be there, or will he just decide that in addition to not filming things, it's just enough in the sense that what's done is done, and I'm I'm moving forward, and and I because if he doesn't want to do something. That is as simple as shoot a couple second video. Why would he show up? Why would he you show know, it up? It may just be a yeah. legit scheduling conflict. 
too. I mean, to be perfectly honest, people who are doing other projects, etc., like if he doesn't come to the premiere, it's probably because he's shooting a movie. Um, yeah, that yeah, that could be. Remember, Emma Watson wasn't there. I think because she was shooting. I'm trying something. to think. Both Dan and Emma were not at the uh, home entertainment celebration at the park. Oh, but Rupert was. <gasps> oh, but Rupert was. They <laughs> must really have him <laughs> in in their in contracts or something. He got renewed and didn't know it or something. Oh, that that poor guy. He almost had a comedy on CBS, and CBS decided not to pick uh, it up. No, but did you see that pilot? It's not out yet. Oh, well, neither. Did, they haven't neither released did it. I. Did no. you? <laughs> I don't think it's ever going to see the light of day because it wasn't picked up. Super Clyde for a series. If it was <laughs> he picked tried up, to we trick you right there. If it was picked up, we would have had a trailer by now and some photos. But nope, nope, nope. Anyway, that concludes MuggleCast episode two hundred sixty-six. It's been a fun episode. Uh, we tried to get another host on this week, an, a, another classic host, but didn't pan out. Uh, so the next two episodes, we'll be doing the same thing. Like I mentioned, the Laura. Hopefully, we'll have her on the final episode. And uh, it's been fun. So, uh, quick plug for Hype, the podcast we do over on Hypeable.com, talking about Harry Potter, of course, but other things as well. Um, Game of Thrones, the you know, whatever's been hot in fandom over a, the most recent two-week period we are talking about. Including, we had an interesting discussion this week about $48 movie tickets. Have you guys heard about no. these things now? World War Paramount introduced a $48 movie ticket uh, for World War Z. Uh, and my short answer was that it won't work for World War Z, but it would work for super fans like in a Harry Potter or a Hunger Games or that kind of franchise. Anyway, those are the type of things we talk about. It's a really fun show, so you what can try it out on Hyperbole.com. What $48 ticket give you? It gives you a small popcorn. It gives small you... Small popcorn. A, Stop right there. It gives you... <laughs> you get to see the movie two days early. Oh. You get glasses that you get to keep, 3D glasses that you get to keep. You get a poster, and you get a free digital copy of the movie when it's released later this year. And I think one other thing. What if you hate the movie? (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of like putting your both feet in. That's why it doesn't work for World War Z, because it's not really... Like, like it's based on a book, but it's not really that established of a franchise. But if they did that for Harry Potter, it would do well. Well, did you see World War Z? Just off-topic, but... No, I've heard it's yeah, good, I heard though. good things, but I never specific good things. Uh, we should plug uh, Game of Owns. It's our Game of Thrones uh, podcast that Micah and I are a part of, and currently we are reading the second Game of Thrones book, which is called The Clash of Kings. Um, and we're doing that three episodes weekly, uh, going through those book chapters and delving into the material uh, with the view of someone who has seen the TV series. And as always, you can visit the MuggleCast website and find links to our Twitter, our Facebook, and the fan Tumblr. And, you know, listen to all the other older episodes. It's all there. There's listen, plenty of stuff there. This week, after you listen to this episode of MuggleCast, you should listen to the episode where Eric, Mike, and Laura discuss that dragon. <laughs> I'm going to find out which one that is. That's really upsetting. You should add it to the... You should add it to the Wall of Fame. It should be our latest Wall of I Fame entry. It, 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 it is on the Wall of Fame. Is it? Uh, I let's think see. it is. W- when would it have been? Like, uh, it would have been like episode 98. Yeah, yeah, right when the cover was released well, ni- before the book. You're right. And it was probably 95 then uh, because 99 was our live Philadelphia podcast. Hmm. So 95 is the other one listed there. Um, oh yeah, this one includes a discussion on the Deathly Hallows Deluxe Edition cover, which turns out 
to be some great analysis. Look, Joe cheated. Can I just say Joe cheated? Years before, she wrote about a dragon that had a white blanked out eye. Just saying. It was in Fantastic Beasts. But um, that, that episode is more than six years old, if you can believe that. Wow. <laughs> That's... Hopefully the MP3 file still yeah, works. Yeah, yeah. Just going to have to dust it What's off. What's an MP3? What's an MP3? Just uh, because we spoke about um, the 10-year anniversary of Order of the Phoenix, I wanted to say I did put together a video for uh, uh, commemorating it on MuggleNet. It's on YouTube, actually. Just search um, uh, MuggleNet uh, commemorative 10-year looking back, something like that, and you'll find it um, in Oak Park. And it has – it just – the really cool thing about it is how many people showed up um, and were all dressed up. You know, like complete strangers, and a lot of them were older than the five or six year olds we're talking about um, that that Laura mentioned. It was it was really cool because all the local businesses turned into the shops in Diagon Alley. I've never seen, even since, you know, such a, a well orchestrated collaborative effort between shop owners in a small district. So check it out the video. Cool. We will. Thank you, everybody. Did you have something to say? I'm no. about to say bye. So. No, bye. No, uh, <laughs> see ya. Uh, but yeah, no, I was just going to say, I can't believe that, uh, we only have two episodes left. I know. Crazy. Crazy. It's unreal. Yeah, maybe we'll do an extra one. I was going to say, or do we? <laughs> <laughs> or do we? Uh, how many more episodes can we bash Pottermore? Uh, probably as many hey, as Hey, that we material want, Micah but, uh, writes itself. As you said, as Andrew said, as you said, <laughs> yeah, it just right. I'm not trying. It, it just really happens. does. Uh, but uh, I would say hang around for that. Not just the final episode, also the one in between. But uh, yeah, of course. Hopefully, we can get everybody back on at some point. I know everybody has busy schedules. Well, I think the only people left we have really to knock out are Jamie, Kevin, uh, Mikey B. Oh, Mikey. Yeah, I guess he should be on. Yeah, so there's only like three. If we get two on the next episode and then we can have as many as we want on the final episode then. And I want to make a uh, a promise right here and now. Oh, okay. You ready for this? Yeah. That in some way, shape, or form, we will have J.K. Rowling on our last show. <laughs> okay. That's very cryptic. Okay. We'll leave it at that. Interesting. All right. What a tease. We'll see everybody next month in July for episode 267. Please don't let it be July. Bye. (laughs) We'll play that song. Start singing it, Andrew. No. Don't let it be July, (laughs) though. Hey, people love that song. They do. It's classic. 